1: Hi, this is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books in Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Dahlia Schweitzer, who is the author of Haunted Homes. Dahlia, thanks for being here with me today.
0: I am very happy about it. So
1: could you talk a little bit about how this book came about and how you started to write about Haunted Homes?
0: Yes, Um, I actually am a little bit late to the horror train. Uh, I think I'd always kind of been a scaredy cat and was just sort of afraid of movies and you know the nightmares. And um, but then after the election in 2016, and there was just so much um, just insanity happening in the real world that I needed something intense to distract myself. And it was like you know when you're reading about kids in cages you can't just watch a rom-com you know it's like you need something to grab you and so because i'd been afraid of all these movies i hadn't seen nightmare on elm street um i hadn't seen the halloween movies so i basically um kind of curated a little mini film festival for myself and i went back i watched Not all the Amityville movies, because they're like 20, but I watched a bunch of the Amityville movies. I watched, you know, The Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hollow, like all those movies. And one of the things that really struck me was, you know, how many of them take place in the suburbs and in the suburban home. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know, because we tend to think of the suburbs and the suburban home as being... The safest place in the world. And yet in all these movies, that was the most deadly place. And so that's kind of where the idea for the book came from.
1: And it's part of before we get into sort of the meat of the book, it's part of this quick take series. So could you talk a little bit about um, just sort of that construction and what it is the sort of series it's a part of?
0: Yes. So Rutgers University Press, um, which published my Going Viral book back in 2018, which was, you know, this this massive undertaking that I probably spent four years working on. Um, they have this series that's called Quick Takes, Movies and Popular Culture. And they're like these mini books. Um, I sort of describe them to people as being like the BFI film classics, but without pictures. Um, so they're roughly, you know, 150 pages. And they're written for, you know, the average person, right? They're not meant to be overly dense scholarly texts. They're meant to be easy reads. Um, They're meant to kind of, you know, introduce the audience to some kind of a topic. And I was a little bit burnt out after going viral. You know, the last thing I wanted to do was spend another four years on a project. And I actually really liked the idea of doing my L.A. Private Eyes book with quick takes because, you know, between me and and your audience, I didn't have, you know, four years worth of material to say about it. You know, it was sort of like it was a topic. I wanted to focus just on the private detective in Los Angeles. I wanted to keep it super focused. And so it was perfect for that shorter format. Um, And kind of the same thing for the Haunted Homes book. You know, I wanted to keep it short, and focused and sort of easy to digest. You know, I think my next book will probably be another, you know, four year descent down the rabbit hole, but the quick takes books are nice and they're on a wide range of topics. Um, so they're on really cool things and they're just meant to be kind of like you pick it up and you, you know, you read through it in a day or two.
1: Yeah, no, it was actually perfect, right? It's like this perfect weekend read, um, I would like this kind of beach read vacation read kind of thing where it gives you some great information um but yes you don't have to sit there and go with a thesaurus and look up words or whatever right it's like uh, so and one of the things I thought was really interesting when I was reading you sort of start out by Putting us into talking a little bit about the suburbs, but also the rise of the haunted home, like the use of the home in horror. Um, so can you talk a little bit about and what is it like the past um, from what I think it was 20 2006 to 2016 or that time frame when there was this huge rise in like horror films with the house as the center, the home as the center. So could you talk a little bit about that in horror as well as this sort of placement in the suburbs?
0: Yes. Um, I know with my students, I always feel like they sign up for my classes because they think we're going to watch cool movies and cool TV shows. And then they find out that I'm like secretly, you know, giving them American history through an IV or something, you know? So it's like, you know, I have like an intro to film studies class and I have a sidebar that I do on Watergate because you can't talk about the conversation without talking about Watergate. And so I just kind of do a deep dive. And in my history of American television class, we're talking about, you know, John F. Kennedy and redlining and civil rights because the stuff on the screen doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It's always tied to what's happening off screen. So I think, I can't remember who it was, if it was like somebody posted a review on Amazon or something, but they said like they were reading, you know, the Haunted Homes book and they like accidentally found themselves learning about the history of the suburbs in America, which they hadn't expected at all, but was this like unexpected bonus. So, you know, as I said in the beginning, I was very interested in this idea of horror in the suburbs, you know, because we think of this, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, the suburbs are where I moved to. To raise my family, the kids get to like, you know, play on the quiet cul-de-sac, you know, like everyone, you know, the children are, you know, running around to the playground with the neighbors, like everything's so safe and idyllic. Uh, and I mentioned actually in the book um, that I kept thinking of that image from the opening scene of Blue Velvet where you start off with the very idyllic scene and that, you know, the bright red fire truck and the green, green grass. And then you like zoom in and there's the ear and the insects crawling around and you hear that kind of crunch, crunch of the insects. Um, So that idea of this sort of like perfect, you know, um, suburban kind of, um, you know, the American dream of the suburban home. And then, you know, under the surface is all this horror and, you know, I, I, first of all, I tie it to, you know, domestic ab- abuse, right? So the home is actually the most dangerous place for women. Um, and also the suburbs are uniquely American phenomenon, right? It's not like we, we tend to think of them as like these things that organically developed and they didn't, they were actually very strategically planned, you know, by the government and the banks following World War II. And it was all about like, okay, we're going to, you know, we have to give something to the soldiers when they come back. We want them to move out here. It's, you know, hand in glove with the development of the freeways with, you know, with redlining, we got the white um, families there. Uh, So it was all very kind of methodically planned out. And also I talk about how it was all it was thought almost as a way to like distract the soldiers from the trauma they had just experienced during World War II. So again, if you've got the like, you know, the the pretty, you know, white picket fence, but then on the inside is all this trauma that's kind of seething and chomping. Um so I think that's sort of what's really fascinating to me is the way that first of the suburbs are this or, this very American phenomenon that they did not develop organically and that um the, the horror of the, the the haunted house film is always tied to, again, these sort of very uniquely American things, like, for instance, the um, the economic crash that we had in 2008, which was when the housing market did collapse, which is when we had this huge rise in haunted house movies. Because, of course, the ultimate question is, well, why don't they leave, right? Your house is haunted. Why don't you leave? And the answer 99.9% of the time is, they can't afford to because you know they're cash poor all their money has gone into buying a house that they can't really afford because there's this pressure of home ownership as part of the american dream so it's really so tied into all this other baggage that is part of american history and american identity
1: yeah i actually i really love that because <laughs> I did grow, I grew up loving horror, right? Watching horror and loving it. But I never really thought about when I read that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause you're always, and you know, there's a point we'll we can talk about this later too, but you talk about like Eddie Murphy kind of yelling at the screen, like leave. Um, but it's that same kind of thing where it's like, ah, that makes sense. Right. It all kind of makes sense and ties in. And, and I appreciated how you also, you know, talk about some of the horror horror that is happening during that sort of boom, but also some of those um, really classic texts, uh, like the Stepford Wives, which was one of my first introductions to this sort of more psychological horror, um, to really sort of situate how just how much the home is involved in sort of this, um, and the domestic sphere is involved in this horror space.
0: Yeah, and I talk a lot about also the the gender roles um, and the fact that you know most of the time it's the woman who is the first to sense that there is some kind of an evil spirit, and inevitably her husband tells her, you know, have you been taking your meds? You know, and it's this whole Cassandra complex where she knows what's happening and she is disbelieved. Um, and, it's you know, you, you just see it so many times over and over again. Uh, and, you know, once the husband or father realizes, oh, that his wife is right, it's often too late. You know, something's happened. Uh, so that just plays out so many times, you know, that like, oh, the woman is unstable. You can't believe her. She's just high strong. Um, and then the, it's just, yeah, the gender, I mean, it's so cliche, but it just keeps happening. Yeah, uh,
1: (laughs) that whole idea of, and I think another thing I thought was interesting um, is also the role of sort of parenting, but in particular motherhood, and um, what it means to sort of be a good mother and how that kind of plays out in these. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about sort of what you saw with that.
0: Yeah, um, that's, I mean, I... As I kind of try to explain it, because I write books on a lot of different types of um, films and television shows. So I'm not one of those academics who just focuses on, you know, war movies or zombie movies or early German cinema or whatever. Um, Instead, it's like I look at a lot of different kinds of movies, but it's always about recognizing patterns. So whenever I see something happening over and over again, I'm like, hmm. Why is that happening over and over again? Uh, And of course, one of the things that happens over and over again is that, you know, the woman is unstable and is, you know, is disbelieved. um, But also you have this this trope of the problem child, right? Who is, you know, maybe um, possessed or um, becomes friends with the demon or whatever, but that the child is somehow a conduit, you know, to the evil forces. And the mother is, you know, kind of trying to save her child. But there's also the implication that, like, if she had just been a better mother than you know, fill in the blank. And we actually see, like in the Babadook, for instance, um, where she's not a particularly good mother. She's so consumed with her trauma over the loss of her husband that she's not very engaged with her son. And then, of course, things go off the rails. Uh, But we even see it to a certain extent in The Exorcist, right? And it's like, you know, well, if Reagan's mom hadn't brought them to her house because silly woman, she wanted an acting career, you know, maybe Reagan would have been fine. Um, and I talk, even though it's not um, a, a haunted home movie, I talk a little bit about the the movie, How to. How, we have to talk about Kevin um, with Tilda Swinton, because that's such a great example of what I'm talking about, where it's like, you know, her son is, I don't know if he's a psychopath or a sociopath, but he's at the very least a mass murderer, and she keeps getting blamed for it. You know, and all along, again, you know, she kept telling her husband, there's something wrong with our son. And he kept telling, you know, kept being like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And of course, there was something wrong with their son. Um, so there's, there's this, this kind of this anxiety over like, you know, we have to be parents, because again, that's just as much a part of the the American dream as owning a home. And then what do you do if your child is a nightmare? You know? Like, what do you do if your child is a spot of Satan, is a demon, you know, like, where's what do you do? It's a conflict. Um, So it, it plays out in some really fascinating ways in these movies.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, right, like how that plays out, how um, another thing that I, I found really interesting you talk about is, right, so we have these dreams of like, you know, to buy the house in the suburbs, you know, your white picket fence, all of that. But also then it creates this isolation that works really well in these films and how that kind of plays how isolation and that just space of the suburbs plays out in these settings in these films.
0: Yeah, it's weird because you never you never have helpful neighbors. You know, like you think if you're in your house and you're hearing strange noises or furniture is moving by itself or whatever, you know, the first thing I might do is, you know, first leave the house and then like, you know, go to the neighbors and be like, oh my God, you know, this is happening. Come and take a look. Uh, and that doesn't really seem to happen. It's like the family becomes this really like isolated pod, um, which of course plays into the the anxiety and the stress and you know, I talk about it um, in my American television class where, again, the, the, I mean, that it happened in real life. Obviously, not to the extent of in these haunted house movies, but, you know, the families move to the suburbs. The women are at home, you know, with the kids or the kids go to school and then they're alone. Right. They might not have an adult conversation until the husband comes home in the evening. You know, they're they're sad. They're frustrated. They're depressed. They don't know how to articulate it. And it's just it's just so isolating. Um, and so you kind of start to go a little mental, even if there aren't ghosts, right? And one of, um, one of the, the sort of the really fascinating examples that I talk about in the book is this movie called The Entity, which is the one where the woman keeps getting raped by a ghost and no one believes her. And she's like, you know, she's going to a doctor, she's going to a therapist, she's telling them what's happening. And they're all just, you know, basically doing the equivalent of patting her on the head and being like, you're making it up you know, and it's just like, yeah, again, it's the isolation, isolation, nobody believes you. It's like, you're just, and you know what's happening. um, But no one believes you. And then you start to doubt yourself. And yeah, isolation is a big theme.
1: Right? Yeah. And I thought you, you keep bringing up these things that I thought were really interesting, because that um, the use of sort of rape and um, sort of violence against women throughout the horror films, and even the use of it in like, Scary Movie, which is a spoof mm-hmm. on horror, and how that plays out in this, I, you know, and um, just the misogyny, I guess, is the best way, is the best way to say it.
0: <laughs> Another American institution, right? Right. <laughs>
1: yes. We are founded on misogyny and racism. Yeah. And you cover them both, right? Yep. But like that, right. And how that kind of plays out, um, even with the joke that in Scary Movie, Tori Spelling's character likes it. Right. I'm raped by a ghost, but it's fun. Um, So I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that or talk about with like sort of seeing that coming through.
0: Um, I think it's one of those things where it's like once you, once someone points out the, the pattern of violence against women, you sort of, you can't unsee it. Like it becomes um, very, very conspicuous. Um, And there's, there's the one, um, the the one parody um i'm blanking on what it's called where the guy gets raped by the ghost and um it's really uncomfortable like it's really disturbing um i'm i'm going to i'm going to think of the name and i'll come back to it um but it's i think they they were trying to make a joke about what was happening in all these you know the typical um, horror movies, but then it, it's like I don't know. Sodomy is just kind of never a joke. Uh, so yeah, it's uncomfortable,
1: mm-hmm. right? And so you sort of look at this role of gender, but the like we said, the other part of the American dream, and you talk about redlining. Um, is the role of race in horror films right? Um, so you reference the big sort of joke from. Eddie Murphy from what is it now, 30 years ago, 40 years ago?
0: Oh my god, we're too old.
1: Oh, I know. I was what I was looking at, like I was in I remember when that came out in junior high. Um, and then I was like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a while. But that, right, like the the idea that why aren't you running or you know, um, talking about we're sort of screaming at the screen, but there's no Black characters that are there to sort of scream at. So um, could you talk a little bit, and we can get into it more, but the about race and how you saw that sort of playing out in these films?
0: Absolutely. And then the the one that, um, the name of the movie I couldn't remember was A Haunted House, um, which is the one that has, uh, it's kind of, um, it's a spoof of the Haunted House movies where it's um, it's a Black heterosexual couple uh, she moves in with her boyfriend, and the 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 condo or apartment um, is uh, is haunted, and there's spoofs galore. But the the sodomy thing is is a little bit cringy. Um, yeah, the racism thing is like it's it's always funny how um, a project evolves from the initial proposal, because obviously when you're putting together the proposal, you don't really know exactly where the book's going to go, but you have these ideas in your head, and so you know, I knew that I wanted to have a chapter that was about um you know race in in haunted home films, and I thought that basically the chapter would look at what happens when it's black families dealing with these same issues that you have in the white families and I couldn't find any black haunted house movies. Um, there's one, there's one, and then that's it. Uh, and that was really sort of shocking um, because you just, you know you, you know, you think in 2022, we've made more progress. Um, and so, you know, I talk, I do talk about movies like Get Out, which I think uh, lends a lot to the conversation, even if it's not a typical haunted home. But you still have, you know, the home as the place of danger, um, and you know, the bad things happen to the black people in the home. And I talk also about Haunted Mansion, which, you know, the the first time I watched it, I was like, hmm, okay. And then I watched it again and I was like, wow, well, that's really disturbing um, because in that movie, there's some really significant, that's the the movie with, with Eddie Murphy um, and it's a Disney movie and on the surface, it seems like it's really benign, but then you realize like, oh, for instance, um, Eddie, Eddie Murphy's character, who's a real estate agent and his wife are brought in. Um, to sell a house that belongs to a white guy. So, and then that house, of course, ends up being haunted. So first of all, they don't own the house that is then haunted during the course of the movie. Um, so you don't have the, the status of home ownership. And then um, Eddie Murphy's wife, her, her character, um, is kind of treated as property in a way that you'd never see in standard white haunted home movies. Um, And then at the end of the movie, they are gifted the home. So again, they still haven't bought it, right? Even though it seems like they're sort of well-off, middle-class, they, for, for whatever reason, they don't buy the home. It's given to them. It's, again, as if, like, they couldn't buy it. I mean, it's all just, it's like the closer you look, the more disturbed you get.
1: You know, and I feel like when I was reading that, I'm like, I don't know, I might have seen this film. I don't remember if I've seen it. I remember it coming out, right? I remember it and being a Disney film. But yes, I was. It may, you know, one of the things you talk about is this this push to continue to keep the suburbs white and how that kind of plays out in horror. And right, and this film sort of feeds into that or supports that notion with this idea that. Even the upper middle class black family isn't going to come in and be able to buy it. They're just going to have to um, have it gifted to them and be honored to be in this space,
0: right? And that you know, for the for basically ninety nine percent of the movie, you know, they're in the house as staff, basically, right, as paid employees rather than as owners. Um, so, but it's it's the movie that's basically based on the ride at Disney or the, or the, the ride was based on it, but the Haunted Mansion is the same as like the Haunted Mansion ride. Um, so you probably haven't seen it because you think of it as being for children. Uh, but again, it's like, it's, it, it's very disturbing once you start looking at it closely.
1: And when it's for kids, that makes it even worse, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that. I mean, yeah. It's absolutely true. It's like these, you know, the messages that keep, um, you know, sinking in on a subliminal level. You know, I showed my students in the TV history class, which I know I keep talking about because I'm teaching it this semester, but I showed them, you know, part of an episode of Amos and Andy, um, which is just like so horrifically racist. And just imagine being a kid, you know, being a black kid and you turn on the TV and this is like, on one hand, you're happy because you're being represented on television, which never happened, but then you're being represented as being sort of an idiot. So it's like, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? But yeah, so...
1: Right. And and you can't, you can't sort of talk about what's happening right now in horror. I th- I don't think you can without talking about Jordan Peele, right? And the work yeah. he does yeah. and kind of how he is sort of challenging and pushing, pushing in the boundaries of not only horror, but just sort of what is going on and what has gone on in Hollywood. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you sort of talked about Get Out as a haunted home film?
0: Sure. Definitely. And just because you mentioned uh, Eddie Murphy earlier, so Eddie Murphy had done a, a, like um, a sketch or a section in his stand up comedy special Delirious, where he's talking about these haunted house films and how, you know, if it was a black family and this stuff started happening, they would leave. Um, but a white family stays and what's wrong with them? And, and the line is, you know, if a ghost says, get out, get out. And Jordan Peele has said that that was, you know, he named his movie after that line. Like he was very inspired by, you know, that that Eddie Murphy moment. Um, so he's already engaging with the question of race. And then, of course, the whole plot of Get Out, you know, is all about race and the, the sort of the appropriation of black bodies by white people and, um, you know, that it's as if... Uh, you know that the the black bodies are just commodities to be purchased and tried on and used up, um, and that the the black people in this space have no autonomy. Um, you know, and then he talks about like the sunken place, you know, which is where where you know where you go where you're you're basically trapped and you have no voice. Uh, which you know Jordan Peele has said is basically a metaphor for the sort of the the condition of black people in america um so again there aren't any demons or supernatural forces but there there is real evil that is taking place in that house and the evil is happening to black people by white people and then of course you have the added layer of these white people being you know supposedly You know, liberal Democrats, you know, like if if they could have voted for Obama a third time, they would have, you know, is is that famous line. Um, So it's like, yeah, it's just it's a it's a deeply disturbing, very well done film.
1: Right, and and so you you talk about sort of race. You also look at I thought was really interesting um, the the burial grounds, right? I think it's another place where you sort of um, get in some history and uh, and also some history of like economics and capitalism and sort of how Walmart plays into you know these issues with just forgetting about or disrespecting these burial grounds and how this plays out in well some of our more famous even um, haunted home films.
0: Yeah. Another pattern that, um, that started, uh, becoming really obvious to me is this notion of like, you know, certain, certain spaces are haunted because they have been built over these burial grounds. They have been built over grounds that were somehow disrespected. And sometimes these are, um, you know, uh, Graves, uh, like the the Indian burial ground, is a trope that's shown up so much. It's been parody, parodied on The Simpsons, right? This idea of, um, you know, we like just get rid of the gravestones. Who cares about the bodies and build, you know, your Walmart, your suburban development? Um, and so we see that a lot. And then it's like, you know, the the dead souls are are disrespected. And I talk a bit of in the book about about trauma, right? And so one of the questions of like, well, why is this space haunted is that for whatever reason, the souls of, you know, whoever was killed in that space or buried in that space cannot rest, right? That there was some kind of injustice that needs to be corrected. Um, And one of those examples is this idea of, you know, Native Americans who want to, kind of get vengeance for the fact that their their um, their lands and their lives were plundered by americans um there's another movie where there's this like suburban development that was built on a cemetery of black people um where the gravestones were moved and they were supposed to move the bodies but of course they didn't because that would have cost more money for the developer and the developer just builds on top of it, and then, of course, um, the suburban development is haunted. Uh, so it's all about this sort of this unresolved trauma that is, you know, I mean, this is, gets very Freudian, right? But it's a sort of the repetition of this this trauma until it's resolved, right? Until the murderer has been, fall, you know, has been... Um, the murderer has been found or the crime has been solved the injustice you know has been rectified um and so you you get into this idea of like you know well maybe americans feel guilty about how they treated slaves or how they treated native americans and that's why that's become a trope in these films
1: and it's interesting too i think like there is the house itself being haunted and then there is like the being or the, you know, creature that comes in. I, there's one, I don't remember the name of it, but one film where the fi- family finally decides to leave, but they don't leave in time. So the ha- whatever is in the house follows them. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that has to do with a child, right? <laughs>
0: Um, yes, it does. Um, and then uh, I think it's um, they do. It's funny because I actually, when I was working on the book, uh, I had to um, I had to make like note cards. Um, there was like one note card per movie because so many of the titles are similar that it really becomes impossible to keep them straight because they're all you know. So it's like. Um, but I believe that the movie you're thinking of is Sinister. Where they, they leave, but then the demonic force comes with them to the next house, and uh, it, like, it latches on. Um, and so, yeah, again, it becomes this, the, you, can't, you can't escape, basically, when you leave. And that's also why in a lot of these movies, the house has to be burned down at the end. Because that represents the real like eradication of whatever the demonic force is. You have to destroy the house, you can't just leave it
1: yeah and it's it is it well i i the note cards i I get it because i'll be like was this some this was a movie and then it was a film or if it's in it's the movie and if it's uh it's the film right there's this whole sort of mixture of it so uh, are were there um like you said it's a kind of short book but you watched a lot of films i was just wondering like are there films that you are that you loved more than others, or you were like, this is just, or more disturbing than others. Like you kind of talk about that. You mentioned how disturbing Haunted Mansion is if you continue to watch it, but did you have those similars or, you know, things or ones where you saw, maybe this is two questions, but it's kind of in some of the newer ones, some nods to some of those older films and how that kind of played out.
0: Um, Yeah, there are a couple things. So the haunted mansion is disturbing for the the not so subtle racism. Um, it probably won't give you nightmares. You know, it's not scary, but it's troubling for you know the the sort of the the racist qualities. Um, Hereditary was the most terrifying of all the movies that I saw for the book. After Hereditary, I I did have to like go to bed with the lights on. Um, that was I did not expect that movie to be a. It has like a slow start, and you're kind of like, oh okay, and then you're just like, oh my god, um, we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, was very disturbing, um, just for the way that uh, Tilda Swinton's character is just so beaten down on. Um, and then the entity, which is the one that I mentioned with the woman who keeps getting raped by the ghost and no one believes her is, is chilling because, you know, just it hits home, you know? I mean, that's something that happens all the time, right? I mean, you just think about like, you know, the, the, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, right? And it's whole, it's all like, well, did he, didn't he, um, do we believe her? Um, and it's like, there it is in a movie. Um, so I think those are some of the ones that really stood out to me.
1: What do you, like, do you have thoughts on, um, I don't know where this is heading. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Right. We like we, because we do see, we have American horror story. We have the haunting of Hill house, right. We have this coming, um, to the small screen as well. I just started watching, I don't know if you call it horror, but succession. I think that's it. Or the one. Where it's Ben Stiller's new on Apple TV, but where they 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 leave their t- their work self at work and their home self at home, they they are they they do the surgery on people so you can't remember who you are once you
0: leave work. Oh, I don't know anything about this.
1: It's so not like, like, it, like it, it, I think that's what it is. See, now I got to make sure it just started and. Um, it, but it made me think of like all this sort of small screen where you can sort of drag this out or you can have the house happen over multiple times. But this one is, I think it's succession or succession. Like now I'm like, cause it's only like been two episodes, but you can have a oh, severance. Maybe that's it severance because oh. you can be severed. And so when you enter work, your, your work self just exists. You don't remember anything about who you are outside of work. When you leave work, you don't remember anything that happened at work. So you have two, to, you sever yourself, which of course does not work, right?
0: That sounds terrifying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, right? But there is this kind of, I mean, it's not necessarily home as much, at, you know, but there's like this idea of, play, right, The yes, some horrors that can happen in a place and like why you might do this, why you might keep returning, um, right, to the place. So it's that kind of thing that like, um, and we keep seeing, you know, some, um, and the showrunner for Hill House has a new one out that a couple of my students said is, they loved. Um,
0: yeah, so a, just a new, like a new, new one that just came out recently. No, it's
1: now, been out. His Bly Manor? Is that, that might be it.
0: It's like the turning of the screw.
1: So, but there's, yeah, like, what do you see, um, moving forward, you know, like I said, I don't know if moving forward is the right word, but, um, like.
0: Um, well, what I get at in the, the book, um, at the very end is I talk about technology and how technology has been integrated into haunted home movies and how the evil come. So it's not the the sort of the trope of the burial ground that we were talking about, right. Where it's, you know, something, evil maybe happened in the home or underneath the home, but that uh, there is um, evil that comes in through technology. And of course, you know, the, you have the classic, the ring movies where, you know, it, it comes through your television set. Uh, but I think that's become this really fascinating thing. And I talk about, I don't talk about it in the book because I, um, I only saw it after the book was finished, but there's an amazing movie called Host. Um, where it's that horror movie that's all done on Zoom, and I, so I think someone had suggested it to me, and I was like, you know, how good can it be? And like, you know, we all have Zoom fatigue, and then I started watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this is brilliant, you know. Uh, so. I think that that's maybe the direction. I mean, I think, well, it depends because we're still cranking out the Haunted Home movies like, you know, version 101, like old school, you know, or like the original. Um, I mean, I feel like every couple of weeks there's a new one on Netflix and I get really excited to watch it. And it's it's like the same movie. It's like they, they change the color of the frosting, you know, but the cake is a, the, exactly the same. Um, so I think that kind of familiar thing is just going to keep getting cranked out because we love it. It's a good formula. Um, But then I think we're also going to start to see more and more technology. I don't know. I kind of keep waiting for some sort of update, you know, that's like the ring, but for, you know, the 2020s. Um, I talk a little bit in the book about this movie, the charnel house that was on Netflix for a while. I don't think it is anymore. Um, where it's this very contemporary uh, sort of like loft apartment building that's very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but like kind of like tech wired, you know, it's like a smart building. Um, and so everything is like automated and there are screens and you can walk into the, you know, your apartment and you can tell it what to do and it does it. And, um, you know, we've got even more of that now than we did when the the movie came out. Um, and so so, and then, of course, you know, it's used to chilling effect in the movie. uh, so I feel like we're we've got to be having more of those movies where evil voices talk to us through the screen, and um you know, we have to unplug our our routers to try to stay safe, but of course, things come through our smartphones
1: yes, it's um I, it's a hope for a sophisticated version of have you seen Unfriended? I think that's it where all these kids committed. right and and that the movie i was like this movie is really bad but um but it sounds like but there are but then the ring is really kind of amazing right there's so there's these like some sophisticated versions of how this kind of plays out and
0: yeah there's got to be one that's using smartphones to do something
1: right yes that we can't stop
0: yeah exactly (laughs) i mean I, i can't remember um it was a movie with, uh, with Kristen Bell in it that feels like it was not as long ago as it was, um, where at the end of the movie, in order to escape the evil force, they have to go to a place where there's no internet, um, because the evil forces are coming in through the internet. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, Pulse. The movie is Pulse. Um, which is also an English language remake of an Asian horror film like The Ring. Um, but yeah, so the evil forces communicate via online messages. And so at the end of the movie they have to try to go they have to try to go to a place where technology does not function. And you know, that was in two thousand six. So now in twenty twenty two, where do you go if you want mm-hmm. to try to find a place where technology can't reach you?
1: Yes, yes, right. Like I feel like do we have to move into like some kind of it goes back to your post-apocalyptic world, right? Like, do we need that in order to make it happen? Um, it made me kept thinking of Bird Box, right? And, and that kind of, that same kind of thing, like, yes, how do you move out of this or how do you get away? Like, Do you think that, I mean, there is been this, I don't know if it's been a, a surge in this especially Asian horror, do you see like that sort of sitting at the forefront um, of kind of this technology haunted house um, space? I'm asking you questions you might not be able to.
0: I know. It's all all speculation. I mean, I do do think that, um, you know, Asian directors have cornered the market on a lot of these horror films, but then at the same time, Blumhouse cranks out so many horror films that maybe just because of the sheer quantity, there's going to be something in there that will be a little bit new or different. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, horror movies in many ways are just, you know, as I said, it's like, it's the same cake with different frosting. It's just, it's like the same recipe that just gets tweaked a little bit. So it'll be, it'll definitely be worthy of note when we finally get something that's very different.
1: So, so two last questions. Um, First, do you have any movies that you that are coming out soon, you know, that you're really excited about? (laughs) Is there anything that you're like, I cannot wait?
0: It's so funny, because I feel like especially since COVID, I, I have no idea what's happening in the world, you know, like, I kind of, I feel like if I find out about something before it's released, it's like the day before it's released, you know, or, um, you know, it's a movie that's like being very heavily promoted and then everybody knows about it, you know, but I just, I'm like, so, so hopelessly out of touch that it's, that I, I generally don't know about anything before it happens. Um, and sometimes, you know, someone has to tell me about it after it's happened, um and then what was the other question oh that
1: was my first one that oh. was one <laughs> no and i i actually i understand that feeling sometimes i'm like oh this is now um but my other question that i usually at my you know that question i ask at the end of is there something you're working on now um or something with this book kind of that you want to promote and put out there any last kind of
0: um It's again, I just it's so funny because I was I was talking to an old friend yesterday that I hadn't talked to in forever. And and he was like, you know, what are you up to these days? How are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just kind of living this weird COVID life where, you know, I'm still spending a lot of time alone. um, And my my work schedule has been very crazy, um, but I'm hopefully it will soon die down a bit and then I will go back to really working on my next project, uh, which is, as I said earlier, um, it might be one of those like four year book projects. So, um, you know, your, your audience will have long forgotten about it by the time the the book comes out. Uh, But it will be, it will be looking at memory in movies and television shows. Um, But in what context, I'm not exactly sure because, I'm at that stage where like with haunted homes where I'm like, huh, that's weird. You know, all this, these scary things keep happening in the suburban house. What is that about? And, um, you know, like with my going viral book, I was thinking about how, you know, there was never a period at which I learned, which I knew about AIDS and didn't know about sex or learned about sex and didn't know about AIDS. Like it was like I, the two were always together. Right. So there was never a period where I could separate sex and intimacy from danger, right? The two were very closely intertwined, and I was like, you know, oh, that's that's kind of fascinating. And how does that going to, sh- like, how does that sort of change the cultural consciousness, sort of from the mid nineteen nineties on? And that was sort of the again the sort of like hmm, weird and you know nebulous question that then prompted that book. Um, and so with the memory book, I have a similarly vague question where it's sort of like I'm. I'm really interested in the way that it feels like our, our memories have been deteriorating. You know, like back in the day, children used to have to memorize the Gettysburg Address. And now we're lucky if we know three phone numbers by heart. You know, so there's something going on there with the, the lack of memory and how that's got to be shaping, you know, sort of like the cultural narrative. Um, but in what ways I'm not sure. And, uh, we'll have to talk about it in a few years.
1: Yeah. You have to watch Severance then, right? You have to watch yeah, it this
0: fascinating. and It stars Adam Scott, is in it? But like, it's, I
1: think it's, I, th- I think I've watched I think it's only had like two episodes out, but okay. so far I'm just like, this is, um, this is going to be really interesting. Okay. And I keep, you know, I keep thinking of you too. You bring up, you brought up, you know, have you seen Ghosts? on a um from what's her name live uh from i zombie the um the,
0: the the woman who played live more on yes. i zombie rose
1: mcguiver um, is that her name yes yes so she has a new show out like it's a it's a sitcom on like abc but she almost dies okay and so she and her husband lived in new york and they inherited this big old house that was her ancestors so she like dies for like a minute and when she comes back she can see all the ghosts in the house wow she can talk to the ghosts um but her husband can't um and it's goofy like it's cute and goofy and so like the ghosts get you sometimes you like go and you um Go and ascend, right? But these ghosts, for some reason, have not ascended. So they've all died on the house or on the property. So there's like this ancient, you know, this Norse. There's someone, you know, a Norse fighter. There's a a Native American, right? There's different folks who have like died and are still in the house. And those ghosts are hanging, have been hanging out together. And then they realize this living person can see them. Wow! And so it's all. In a really funny way, but she sort of has, in only the way that she can, has, like, I think, has done a, you know, it's quirky, and I think it's quirky and cute and smart, so I'm sure it'll get canceled. Oh, right, um, of
0: course, of course.
1: Because <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of fun, um, and I really like her, but yeah, so that's going with your haunted homes. And All right, I'll talk to check it out. Yeah, I hadn't
0: he- heard of about it.
1: I just ran, like, I this is one, like, you're talking with COVID, I literally, like... I don't know I stumbled upon it and then I was like I need to check this out and then I was like and it just started this fall I guess okay um but
0: yeah no this is how I find out about stuff but (laughs) like it comes up in conversation you know I don't know how other people find out about stuff um I guess some people read variety or deadline or whatever but I find out about it because people mention things or I hear people talking about it and I'm like oh I should go check that out
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I get um, my uh, teenager will text me a lot of times and then I'll be like, oh, that's a thing now. That's good. to know." But I mean, we could probably talk forever, but uh, (laughs) I'm sure there are things we both have to do. This is Dahlia Schweitzer, who is the author of Haunted Homes um, for New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. Thanks for talking with me.
0: Thank you.